This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies. I am Matt Bungard, and joining me, as always, Nick Campton. Hello. That's going to take some getting used to. It is. I think we're still still breaking it in like a new pair of jeans. I'm open to suggestions from listeners about whether we do a different sort of introductory sort of phrase. I mean, we're still workshopping things. I mean, we can keep the as always. We can give you your own thing if you'd like. Um, It's up to you. You can have a think if you'd like. Um, But joining us to preview all things Manly Sea Eagles, uh, Daily Telegraph's own Joe Barton. Welcome. For the first time. Yeah. Long time, first time. (laughs) Happy to be here. Um, how do you feel about the? How do you feel about the? As always, do you want me to keep it, or should we workshop a new phrase? Do you think? Well, having only just listened to the um, podcast revealing that Campo was the new mm. and and new, um, it did feel a little bit jarring uh, hearing that. But um, you know, I, are, you, are you suggesting I scream and new in a yeah. <laughs> in a Bruce Buffer voice every time? I would I like just... that. That 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 wouldn't get old at all. That would not get old a, not even a little no bit. Way. Not a chance. Not by even a seven, little bit. By the Dolphins podcast number seventeen, uh, I think you might be might be sick of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, the order for this is really based down to availability for people, and you are currently kicking your heels back in a in a nice little holiday house in Queensland. You're resting up after a long World Cup campaign. Joe and I were together in Qatar at the FIFA World Cup. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's a big couple of weeks for you, mate. We've got Manly coming back. you got Tommy Tarovic, hamstring, the big talk of the town. And, of course, your beloved Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. You just, you're all over it. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Uh, I'm probably more uh, bullish about my boys in green than my, uh, my boys in maroon and white. But... Mm. Um, yeah, it should it should be good. I'm up here scouting halfbacks. I hear there's one who's just signed with the Bulldogs, so I missed out on that one. Um, maybe some Magic Round destinations might be might be an easier find up here. But it's very nice, sunny Queensland. Halfback yeah. hunting in the Brisbane hinterland. The Joe Barton story. If you need a halfback, if you head down to Sherborg, there's a yeah. guy who we could pull out of the mines for one last job, if you need it. I think he's roughly the same age, or feels like he's roughly the same age as Cherry. So maybe a little. He would be, yeah, he'd be about the same. I think was his debut 08 or 08 for Sandow. So yeah, probably. But anyway, uh, he will not be playing for the Manly Seagulls this year. We don't think Daly Cherubin certainly will be. Uh, Manly on the on the scale of lots of squad turnover to minimal squad turnover, firmly at the minimal side. Uh, Not a lot of huge pickups this year. Um, Kelma Tuolangi is probably their biggest name signing. I mean, there was a time where. He looked pretty sharp at the Tigers, but I mean, I didn't think he set the world on fire in the 2022 season. So I guess, um, I mean, you, you've not had a great deal of, of in, in, incoming players. You lose Kieran Four and Dylan Walker, Marty Tapao. That's some old heads. How are you feeling about the squad composition going into this year? Um, I choose to be optimistic, but well, I mean, the, the the minimal turnover, I think, is probably, that's usually a good thing, right? Like, I don't <laughs> think we lose heaps with, um, with Tapao going. Like, most of the year, I was kind of pushing for him to not be in the team anyway. Dylan Walker, probably the biggest loss of those three um, based on how he's played. Although, like, I actually think Kieran Foran had a terrific year last year and will be hard to, you know, replace in some ways. But Schuster time had to happen sooner rather than later, I think. But we can we can talk about that, that later. But, I mean, yeah, I guess generally I choose to be optimistic because if Turbo's fit, then... That they're, they're a team that should push for the eight. 
if Turbo's injured or if Turbo and Cherry are injured, then it's a disaster and Manly's probably finishing in the bottom two or three. But they could get they could go anywhere between six maybe to probably like fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth. But um I reckon ninth, tenth, eleventh is probably the most realistic way to to look at where I'm where I'm going and that I guess would be an improvement on next year on last year, so I don't know. Top eight I'd take. You've kind of hit where I'm at with Manly in in that one, Joe. That like they will pretty much rise and fall as far as Tom Trebojevic can take him. You know, how are you sort of feeling about what's going on with him? Like he went to the hamstring whisperer in the States. His hamstrings were whispered to. <laughs> However that works, I don't really know. I seem to talking to people that know more about this than I do, they they seem to think that it's more of like a psychological deal with 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 these sorts of chronic injuries. But like so many injuries have happened to Trebojevic now. I wonder if, like, you know, maybe he's just not – maybe he's just, like, too big and too fast and too strong to sustain what he does or whatever. But, like, how are you feeling about Tommy, man? Because I think it's three years out of the last four now where he hasn't played much footy. Like, the year that he did, we all know how good it was. But it's three years out of four now where he's been busted up. You know, I think it was two years with the hammies last year. It was the shoulder. Like, it's – we all know how good he is when he's good, but it's not a great return for a player of his sort of stature. So what are you doing? Like just saying rosaries every day or like how are you dealing with it? <laughs> I, I don't like um, watching him in every tackle and going, oh God, I hope he doesn't get up and like clutch at this or like hold his hamstring or, you know, like I, I need I need to, to watch him and be more confident in, um, you know, in his body, like, Am I am I making prayers? I don't really believe in prayers, but uh, you best believe that I'll, I'll do it for Turbo if, it, if it'll help. Like this this year and the next kind of the first kind of three months to see whether Bill Knowles is is the hamstring magician will mm-hmm. be will be will be pretty crucial. Um, because yeah, if I mean if he has if he has another bad year, then the Zorbers of the world and calling for to, for Manly to you know, pull out the axe for Turbo, that like those sort of calls will get louder. And I like when I read that article, like I read that article, a lot of listeners all say that that sort of stuff, like my head explodes because I'm like, if if Manly doesn't have Turbo, firstly, like the rest of the roster is fairly, uh, fair to say, considerably below average, like big chunks of it. Mm. And he, he lifts a lot of guys up. And if you take him out, we're paying some other gibber a million dollars and it's not going to be, a player who has the ceiling of Tom Trebojevic is going to be, it's going to be a player who you know has the ceiling of probably a seven hundred thousand dollar player or six hundred thousand dollar player. And as a as a general rule, Manly will not have a good enough um, roster to lift with that sort of player. So like yeah, basically I'm just at the point where I just need Turbo to be <laughs> Turbo to be fit, and if that happens, I'll be happy. If not, I'll be. Uh, Putting a lot of my uh, energies into following the Orlando Magic and their rise up the <laughs> NBA ladder, and yeah, Philadelphia going back to back, and rugby league will mean nothing to me. I think, yeah, I think that it, you'd you, you'd be hard pressed to find an argument from anyone that Manly are not the team that's the most reliant on one individual person. And we t- we talked about this yesterday with contracts. Like, 
even a guy like him with his injury history of being on a million dollars, those are not the bad contracts in the NRL. It's, it's your underachieving mid-tier players who are making six, dollars $700,000 a year to not play like that. Those are the real bad contracts, but they never get talked about because they're not the stars of the team. But you're right in the sense that like it's not just him. He just makes everybody better around him. His brother plays better when he's there. Pretty much everybody else in the back line plays better when he's there. Daily Chevrons plays better because he has less pressure on himself. Um, I mean, do you think that they are... I mean. I'm just going back. All I had to really go all the way back to like the Andrew Johns Knights to think of another team that was just so absolutely reliant on one person. And whilst I agree with what you're saying in the sense that there's no one you could get who's better, like, uh, do you do you want to try and start making moves to at least try and alleviate this situation at some point if you can't rely on his health? Like, I I, I don't like. I think he's one of the three to five best players in the world when he's fit. But I do kind of get the frustration from the sort of loudmouths of the world, even if I don't necessarily agree with the way that they've put their point across. Yeah, I mean, there there are, there are like worse contracts on the Manly books than correct than Turbo, in my opinion. Like including his brother, including like Tapao last year, who was getting eight hundred grand a year to be, you know, probably the third or fourth best prop. Like that's that to me that was a bigger. Um, a bigger kind of hurdle for for the mm. rock cap management dudes to to overcome, but you need to like you need to actually find better value out of all the other guys. Like if 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 you're putting your eggs in the Tom Trebojevic basket, you're doing that on the assumption that he is going to be fit, and if he's fit, fantastic. But even even if he even if he um, is fit, like there still needs to be a better balance across that roster, and there are dudes getting like Cherry's getting paid too much money. Like Cherry's a Cherry's a at his best, like a top five halfback, still mm. in the comp. Like those top top tier halfbacks are um, hard to come by. But he's, he's getting paid like one point three, one point four. Like he's getting paid more than for matching Nathan Cleary, and like that is like that's not his level anymore. So like if he's if he's on eight hundred, then <laughs> that frees up a lot of a lot of uh, cheddar to to balance out your roster a lot better more than cutting Tom Trebojevic, who is clearly your elite player who mm. you need to... You have uh, to keep him under any circumstances. Unless he retires, they need to yeah. keep him on their roster. Like, it's that like, simple. The worst case scenario is, is somebody finally, like, listens to what these gibbers and Turbo goes goes walk about and goes to, um, to the Cowboys or to the Dogs or somewhere or the Dolphins or whoever. And then, and then the hamstring magic works and he plays until he's 35 and... <laughs> Manly's yeah. watching him just going, really happy that we've got K-Works at fullback for the next decade. And I'm like, think, of the, sponsor, awesome. think of the sponsorship opportunities with K-O. That's got true. You haven't fullback. thought about like, that. That's, that's something. But like, I never understood any of the, oh, they should move on from Trebojevic. I never stood under, understood any of that talk because if they did, 16 other teams would sign him tomorrow Correct. just in case it works out. So like, they're, like they're pot committed at this point. So they may as well fly him to America. They may as well put him in a lab and see if they can give him like metal hamstrings or something like that. Like do whatever you can. Rub, because rub this, guy, much... this guy's carrying the, the team on his shoulders. Like yeah. this guy's the franchise. You got to do whatever it takes. Rub as much calves blood into those hamstrings as you can, mate. Like what, what, finely what aged calves blood. It's been in the frigid at Narrabeen for <laughs> 10 odd years now. And that only makes it stronger. Bring back the dank. Um, bring, him, and, get, bring him home. <laughs> Couldn't you? Couldn't you just use a bit of it, mate? You mentioned Schuster a little bit before, and you said that it is Schuster time, and it very much is Schuster time. Like they've they moved on Foreign, who is a club legend. 
for Josh Schuster. I think we all know how talented Schuster is, but he kind of did have a bit of a rough one last year. Like, wasn't even getting in the starting team a lot of the time. Like, Andrew Davey was getting a run instead. Like, what do you want out of Schuster this year? What do you want to see? Do you want him to just start wrecking shit like he was a few years ago? Like, just refusing to look anytime he passes the ball, but it still works out? Or do you want sort of like a slower, more sustainable kind of progress? Honestly, I, like, first and foremost, I actually just want him to be fit. Like, look fit. Um, I thought that was the biggest issue last year. He, like, he was, he was, like, honestly had quite a terrible season. Um, he had a few injuries, but, like, I never really came back properly. Looked out of shape. Couldn't play minutes. Like, calf injury troubled him for, you know, best part of three months. Um, we've seen in the off-season him running up hills and doing these sort of things that, uh, you know, elite athletes really should be able to do. And, like, that's that's encouraging, like, just that the mindset is he's trying to um, to make the most of this. Like, he, I think he recognises how big a deal it is that Manly's chosen him um, rather than, like, holding on for, like, oh, maybe we'll do one more or two more years with foreign. They're going, nah, you're 21. Mm. Ultimately, you're probably going to be the guy who gets the keys after Cherry. Prove us, prove, prove why we're um, going to bank our future on you. Like he's only twenty one years old. Um, ooh, there's a baby in the background. He's only twenty one years old, but um, I think it's his time. Like, and you have to like this has to be the time that you go right. Yeah, you're right. Whether 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 he slows things down and you know tries to take more of a controlling playmaking role, that'd be great. Um, Ideally, I still think Cherry runs the show and um, Schuster should be adding a little bit of, uh, you know, icing on the cake sort of thing, just just in his first year holding on to that sixth jersey. But, yeah, I mean, really, I just want him to be fit. I want him to get through a full season, not yeah. have to, not have to um, con- continually be, like, rebuilding that fitness and coming back into, into, um, into the team. Like, if he can build up a combination with Cherry over the next 12 months, Prove that he's proved that he's a an NRL standard um, half five eighth whatever. That that that's that's they're the big steps that he needs to do because like all we've really seen is bit of work a bit of a bit of work ethic on the on the left edge and some flash plays. If he can play for eighty minutes solid, be involved in every set. Like that's that's what we need from him for the next you know decade plus. So, and it's it's a pretty palatable situation for him to be coming into. I mean, assuming Tabovic is fit, he's got a fantastic halfback and a world-class fullback to sort of play make with. Um, as far as pressure goes, there's not that much on him this year. I know that they're giving him the keys by moving forward on, but I mean, let's be real, the expectations for Manly from a season point of view are not particularly high. A new coach who's going to tie himself to him as far as we understand. Um, I mean, Nick, it, it it really it, it's pretty close to a perfect situation for Schuster in terms of being his first proper year in that jersey that he's wanted for quite a while now. You reckon? I don't think it is at all. Why not? Because think about it, right? So you said there's not that much pressure on him. There's a shitload of pressure on him just because he's Josh Schuster and just because of his profile. You know what I mean? He's the Do you sort think of his guy... profile's that high? Oh yeah, man, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think the two biggest things that people are talking about with Manly in this off season, even more than Seabold, are Turbo and Schuster. Because we know how spectacular Schuster can be. And remember how big a star and how quickly he became a star back in 2021. Or even in 2020, when he debuted, they played the Tigers, right? And Benji called it the best debut he'd ever seen, which one, was wrong. And two, just sort of added to the hype more and more and more. But the second that Schuster has three bad weeks, 
like the knives are going to come out, man. People, people are expecting really big things and they should because he is really talented. I think as well, like say Turbo goes down, right? All of a sudden it's Cherry Evans and Josh Schuster kind of against, against the world. Oh, well, I'd say assuming that. to no, 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 but like, Yeah, but you can't really assume that, can you, based on the track record? So like who's going to play fullback if he's crook? Ruben Garrick or KO Weeks or something like that? Like guys who are pretty good but not studs. Who's playing hooker? Lachlan Croker. Had a really good year last year. Was the club's player of the year, but you wouldn't say he's like an elite top tier guy, would you? He's really more of a complementary piece in that spine. So, like Schuster's carrying a lot. I would, I, I would think. You know, I, I think Joey, you kind of nailed it when you said you want to see him engaged, and I a, a lot. You know, and I think that's the key. I think that's the key to getting the best out of him is making sure he's engaged every minute of every game. And I think the best way to do that is to kind of just give him the license to do pretty much whatever he wants on the field. Just say to him, look, Cherry's going to run the show like he has for centuries now and will continue to do so for centuries into the future. He runs everything, man. You just go out and you throw the no-look passes and you run over guys half your size and don't look at stuff while you're doing it and kick the ball a fucking mile. Like, just you do you and you do whatever it is you want to do and then the rest of the team will just sort of react to that. I think that is the best way to sort of keep Schuster locked in and I think that's the biggest issue with him not talent not ability it's all not about application. application just no, kind of like keeping him dialed in all the time but what you just described there that role is basically the definition of playing without pressure just going out there and doing your thing and and letting cherry evans worry about the sort of nuts and bolts playmaking stuff so maybe maybe not internal pressure i'm talking about external pressure i'm talking about mm. like the media talk and the fan talk and all that sort of stuff you know what i mean the second that he has a couple of bludges the second he doesn't look as fit as he mm. should like the knives are going to come I out. Think, it'll, it'll like Schuster will be identified. As I the think problem. I would feel more inclined to agree with you if Kieran Foran was still there playing reserve grade. But the reality is that they've moved Foran on, and there's no one really. Joey, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but there's no one really kicking the door down to take that jersey off him in that sense. So Dylan Walker's gone as well. So I'm struggling to think of who would even play five eighth if Josh Schuster wasn't there. Yeah, um, and that's that. Like the concern across the entire Manly roster is depth, man. Like. Like, I mean, Lachlan Croker is a starting hooker and the only person really putting pressure on him is Carl Lawton. Um, we've, got, we've gone through the options at um, at fullback, but like even the, the depth in the outside backs, like I think if full, full strength, I actually think Manly's one to seven's pretty reasonable. Like, mm-hmm. especially if you put, if like if they do experiment with, um, with Garrick, because like that other center spot alongside Cooler is... To me, like completely up in the air. If you if Garrick works there, and Turbo's playing, and you've got Tupelo on one wing and Jason Saab playing with just backing up Tom Trebojevic long breaks, <laughs> that's like that. That's a yeah. perfectly reasonable backline. But like the depth beyond that is pretty thin. Like you go on a Brad Parker, Morgan Harper, both of whom haven't really uh, proven themselves as as you know anything more than average first graders if, if you're being generous to, to both of them and it's the same in the forward pack like mainly starting forward pack there's at least one gap in the second row like mm. Ben Condon might play there um, could be Tuolangi but like probably two good starting front rowers and then you go to the bench and it's like this is pretty thin mm. so like the depth like across the whole club which is which is a roster management issue is pretty thin and like Jamie Humphreys is is one of the kids who they reckon could play first grade. I I don't know, and he's he's obviously in theory the backup to to Cherry and and possibly also Schuster. But they've been 
blessed in some ways that Cherry's been basically injury free for yeah. his career. Um, so they haven't had to to call on many um backup um backup halves. But yeah, there's there's not a lot there that's ready now. Like they've, they've got massive hopes for like Latu Finu, but he's 17 and he's obviously not going to play first grade mm. this year. Like he might play first grade in two years or three years, but like they, they think he's going to be the superstar. What if they get him the there. special dispensation, the Sawali deal? Get him in there straight away. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, well, Whatever I mean he's takes. he's not Whatever gonna he's not gonna play unless they get that Sawali deal. We talked about Schuster, but people know about Schuster. Is there anyone else under the radar a little bit at Manly that you could see a young guy making an impact this year? Uh well they they need a couple, to be honest. Like they need a couple of guys to to um who we haven't heard of to to come in and and have an impact and the, I would say particularly in the forwards, like there's there's a little bit, a lot of the forwards who have played the last two or three years to me have felt a little bit stale. Like Aloy's great, um, Olakowatu's great, Jake is kind of their inspiration in defence, but has you know the last two years has looked a little bit slow with the ball. Yeah. To he's he's I think he's moving to a different stage of his career, yeah. Jake. At club level, definitely, he's still getting the rep jerseys and all that, but. I think that's he's fair. he he's he's becoming more and more of like a passer tackler and less of a runner with every passing year, which is fine. But you've just got to be able to accommodate for that. Mm. Yeah. So so to me, they kind of need, and they do have like there's there's fairly high hopes for a couple of their um kind of young young middle forwards. Like, uh, I mean, we've got a whole family of finos, but Samuela Finu, apparently the he's he's only nineteen, so it might um. Yeah, it might be like mid-season before you start to to hear much chat about whether he could break into the the team or young uh, Viliami Fafita is another guy who played all. He's I think he's twenty one or so. He's played played New South Wales Cup for at least a couple of years. He could be somebody who could um, get his chance and and rotate some of those guys who have been there and haven't really like proven themselves to be top top level NRL medals like you know your boils and even Sipley or Kepi or those kind of guys have, have kind of like, they've done a bit, but they haven't proven themselves to be up near what you need to to compete with the the top six sides. But like for a breakout player, who I wanted to be, isn't a young guy. It's not somebody no one's heard of, but like Manly needs Taniela Paseca to be the dude, right? Like need him to to come in and go, right, Alloway obviously are the number one prop in the in this team, but like I'm the biggest prop in this team and I will like, I'll take on that that role and be who I have promised to be for kind of five or six years. Um, and if he can do that, like if he can elevate himself into being a starting prop, a starting top level NRL prop, like the sort of guy that Manly had with Brent Kite and those kind of guys back in the day, but haven't really had for, to me, like quite a while, even though like Tapao's been good for bits and periods. If he can do that, like I think that's, would have as big an impact on Manly forcing their way into being a top eight team as much as anybody except except Turbo and his uh, troubling hamstrings. Yeah, um, and and it's we we we've nearly got to the end of this. We, we haven't really talked about Anthony Seabold at all, Joey. I mean, Des has as a club legend. Oh, he's, our, he's our coach, hey. Yeah, he sure is. <sighs> We're doing it all again. What? Uh... Take out the exercise books, my friends. <laughs> what? Um, I mean. Talk us through your feelings regarding that situation. I mean, the the whole Hasler thing was very divisive amongst Manly fans that I've spoken to since it happened. 
Um, some think it was time to move on. Some think it was time to move on, but uh, they didn't like the direction it's moved in. And some thought that they should have kept kept Hasler. So where where do you sit on that, and how do you see that playing out this year? This is a this is another forty five minute podcast about to come up. No. <laughs> um, look, I love Des, um, but and you know the shit that went down last year, it's probably showed to me that it was definitely the relationship that had to end. Um, I think I've, I've talked to Campo about this pretty much in the week after it all went down, and it was like it's basically just a mate. Thank you for the. Yeah. It was like I, I rang you, I rang you, and it's fair income like a welfare check. Like I just yeah. wanted to see if you were okay. <laughs> But I wanted to make sure you when I sleep in sleep in a certain number of hours every night, drinking a lot of water, you yeah. know, trying to trying to look after yourself. Just really, but, just making sure my boy was okay because you got a big relationship with Des, man. Like he's he's kind of the dominant figure at the club in the last twenty years, which has been yeah. twenty good years for you on the whole. It's a big thing to say goodbye to. I mean, he he would have debuted basically as my life uh, started. So, like. He's, he he has been at Manly effectively my entire lifetime, but I just yeah the the way it ended last last year it was so clear that that was kind of an irreparable thing whether it was because he couldn't work with Scott Penn so be it so be it like one guy signs the big checks it's not going to be you that proved to me his time was up I'll just say thank you for the thank you for the premierships it's it has to move on Seabold, like I mean, if you told me twelve months ago that Seabold was going to be the manly coach, I probably would have strangled you for starting devious rumours. But, um, but I've cut. Like honestly, I've come to terms with it. I think, um, like I don't, I don't look at him and go, "Yep, that's Manly's next premiership coach." Mm. But a lot of people at the time were saying, you know, this this is going to doom Manly like it doomed Brisbane. Like there's a wooden spoon coming up. I think it's somewhere in the middle. It's 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 going to be a couple of like, we could get. South Sydney Seabold, we could get Bronco Seabold, but I think it's probably going to going to be somewhere in the middle. He's got a good, he's got a built a pretty experienced um, backroom staff, which Desi hasn't had for I don't know, like forever. Like Desi, very very seemed seemed like he he took it all on himself, and I think that was often to his detriment. And Seabold will have more experience around uh, away from just his focus. And I think that that could be a good thing. I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to be um, as good a coach as Des was for Manly because that's pretty hard. There's no one in history who's who's, who's been, and I'll, I'll include Bozo in that. Like I'll say, Des um, better coach over the long term than than Bozo. But I don't think it's going to be a disaster. Like I think I think it will. I think it should be it should be fine. And and the fact that he's brought in those those experienced guys is what gives me. A little bit more hope, but um, fingers crossed, hey, fingers crossed. I do, I do like the staff that he's put in around him. I particularly like getting um, Shane Flanagan up there, yeah. who, you know, people might not be fans or whatever, but I think it's pretty clear that he is a really good rugby league mind, and he is really good at getting the best out of a certain kind of player. The thing that worried me about the Seabold decision wasn't so much the track record or him getting another go. A lot of coaches get another go after they get sacked. But I was, I looked this up earlier today. How many coaches, how many premiership coaches in the last 30 years, right, were sacked from their previous job as a head coach? Like, my, my, gut, my like, gut would say zero, but well, wait, wait, sacked when, like ever, or like from their previous, previous. job, from their previous job as a head coach, they were sacked, and then with their next job as a head coach, they won the premiership. Oh, now, right, I, years. Uh, I, I'm going to assume the answer is quite low from the what you're asking. It's not high. 
<laughs> well, one. what is it? It's okay. one. And it's it's Tim Sheens in 05. He got sacked by the cows and then he took it up with the tigers and then everything like that happened. So I understand that like people like to kick the tires on coaches that have been let go, but I I str- I don't really understand what the big selling point for bringing in Seabold was. I don't understand like what was the real thing that they that they that they that they think he's going to provide for the team. Like he's clearly clearly a, a smart dude. Like maybe he's one of those guys who's a much better assistant than he is a, a head coach. Someone like like looking at someone like Trent Barrett who is clearly really good at running a team's attack as an assistant, but couldn't really translate that to sustained success as a head coach. Maybe he's in that basket or something like that. I I, I don't know. It's a, If I was a Manly fan, it wouldn't be a, the sort of inspiring hire I'd be looking for after losing someone like this. Yeah. I mean, like, I would have much preferred, um, yeah, had they gone down the path of, like, finding one of the, you know, the up-and-coming young coaches. Um, but at the same time, that's a pretty risky proposition because this Manly team is in, yeah, it's it's not the the nailed on kind of um, prospect that Fitzgibbon going to, yeah. to the Sharks was. Or, or it's, that's it's clearly thing. it's clearly a team that needs a big change, and after a personality like Des's, you do need a big change, sort of from top to bottom. So maybe Seabold's that that bridge to the future, and then maybe things change down the line, or maybe he can find whatever magic he had at South in twenty. Oh geez, I can't even remember what year that was now. Twenty eighteen. Five years ago now, man. Damn. If he can find that again, then maybe then maybe we're talking about something. Mm. But yeah, it, I was I was surprised to see them go that way. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like it when his name was tossed up, but I liked it more than say when Trent Barrett's name was tossed up replacing Toves. So that's it's, fair. It's not it's not it's not the saddest I've been with a manly appointment, but it's uh mm. Yeah, I, I would have. I, I always liked to to see them take risks, and this felt like kind of a a safety first risk taking proposition. Yeah, a I think part of it risk taking proposition. I think part of it is the age of a few of their star players, and maybe they felt that they didn't have the time on their side to get a young guy in as a project. Like I know we talked about Schuster, and he's young, but like you look at every other good player in that team, every other star player in there. Either, like 20, I said they like, they've either got a lot of miles under their belt, yeah. uh, health wise, or they are coming to the end of their career age wise. So perhaps yeah. they thought that this was the safe option if they now still believe that they have the roster to win a competition. I don't think that they do, but maybe that's what they think, and that's mm. why they went with this option. That's really the only logic I can apply to it. But the, I mean, the, the safe knows? option is almost always like the boring wrong option. In my book. But well. But, We'll, we'll see how it plays out. He's got like yeah. a five deal, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, it's like hiring Anthony Griffin instead of a young guy. Like it might work out. It might work out better than it would have in it. Definitely. But it's definitely not going to work out to hit the ceilings that it could if you nail it with some unknown coach who comes onto the scene and is just very good. So, yeah, I think I agree with you. I think they'll be in the middle. Um, I think of every team, prediction-wise, they've got the widest fluctuation just purely on the fitness of Tontovojevic, but with everything else that's going on, not a huge Seabold fan. I've got them 14th. Yeah. A couple, couple, couple more things I want to hit before we get Joey's final ladder prediction. Um, <laughs> I really, really want Christian Tuipolotu to get one of those starting wing spots. I don't know how nailed on that is with what they're doing with Garrick and with Jason Saab as well. But Tuipolotu, I think, is one of the – I think he's the next great yardage winger. 
to come up in the NRL. I love his work ethic. I love how powerful he's out of the backfield. I love how he uses that power to finish really well close to the line. So I want heaps and heaps of Christian Tui Pelotu in 2023. And the other guy who's sort of been on the roster for a year or two that I don't think we've seen the best of is Ethan Bullimore. He came down from the Broncos last year and Des sort of parked him mainly on an edge playing second row. And I think he did that because Bullimore was really quick and quite mobile, but his best work is as a middle. And I would love to see him come off the bench as sort of like the leadoff hitter for the subs and sort of just using his speed, using his footwork and his support play through the middle because it's he's got some really uncommon sort of game-breaking abilities for a front rower. There's footage of him in the Queensland Cup of breaking out, breaking the line from 40 metres out and running around the fullback. Like he's really got something, but it's only pacing like straight lines. He's not much of like a direction changer like you need on the edge. So mm. if they can get Bullimore back into the middle... I think we'll really start to see some of the best of them. So they're two guys who I've got pegged for for really, really good years as long as they sort of, you know, get the run that we hope they're getting. I've got Manly in 13th. Yeah, I I can't see how um, Tupelo does not start because, like, Saab's not back from his ACL yet, for starters. So, um, like, I think he's running and stuff, but I don't don't think they're expecting to see him for, for the early rounds, so... Tuopolato and Garrick, I imagine, will be the the starting wingers, and I'd be surprised if they don't put um, Harper or Parker alongside Cooler. But yeah, I'm, I, I had high hopes for Bullimore last year, and he felt like he only played about half a dozen games, and in those, never more than about twenty five minutes. So, um, if if and they're like, there's clearly there's clearly opportunities for for players in the middle at Manly because there's only there's only really two strong middle options uh, or like three, if you include Jake as a defensive workhorse, well, there's, there has to be minutes in the middle for, um, for those dudes. Um, you mentioned Paseca before. I feel like he's a guy who's been a year away from breaking out for like forever. five years now. Yeah. And it's one of those things like they used to say that front rowers mature and play their best footy when they get to their mid to late twenties. Mm. He's there now. So like, yeah. I want to start seeing it. Because he's the size of a house and he's got the physical capabilities to be one of the dominant front rowers in the league. And like it's time, it's time to see it. I want to see the good stuff from the big fella. He's only like he showed, I reckon there was about a month there last year where he actually did yeah. start to show it. And then he got injured, but like he's only ever shown it two, three, four weeks in a row. Um, and you gotta have, yeah. I mean, look at the best front rowers in the comp. Like that's they do that, they do that twenty-five weeks in a row. So if if he can if he can um Find that magic spark. Uh, remember how big he is. Stay injury free. I reckon he could be he could be a big difference maker. But um, yeah, I'd really like. I'd love to see, if 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 everything goes well for Manly. I would not be surprised at all if they finish sixth or fifth or whatever. But I think more realistically, it's probably I'd say that nine, ten, eleven ball ballpark. Mm. So I'll probably go tenth and then. Be happy and be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it's yeah, it's be, more yep. of like just a, a very considered go birds rather than like a full throated <laughs> screaming go birds like we'll see on Super Bowl day. Absolutely. I mean, to be fair, I, I I would not have had Philly making the Super Bowl, so really I just did I have low expectations. Did you pick Philly because they were called the Eagles? Yes, I had the choice between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, both, both have won Super Bowls, so it's good. Exactly, but Philly had the more rabid fan base at the time. That is true, possibly forever. So I liked, I liked how they, how much they 
both loved and hated their team and but that I spoke to I like them. how I like how so your NFL team loves and hates itself. Your NRL yeah. team loves and hates itself. So you offset that by choosing the Orlando Magic as your basketball team. The most just like explain that one. Yeah, what's going on there? That's that's like you know hot chili into vanilla. What's doing? Uh, that was Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, that's a pretty good. Answer. He, was, um, he was on TV every Saturday morning because when he was a rookie, he was unbelievable. And Channel Ten showed <laughs> had like a weekly basketball game, a weekly basketball highlight show on Sunday mornings. So he, to me, they showed him as much as Michael Jordan and. I was like, all right, I'm going for this guy. Then I he respect that. Out, he walked out and it's been a tortured franchise ever since. <laughs> hey, you had that one good year with Dwight and Hito Turkaloo. Let's get let's get Paolo Bonchero coming off the bench. Oh. A bit, a bit of, there's a bit of footy in him. Get him up, get him in the middle. <laughs> do, you, do you remember when that F, do you remember when that F one guy thought Paolo Bonchero was Patrick Mahomes at the yeah, Grand yeah. Prix and interviewed him for like five minutes before he realized that he wasn't Patrick Mahomes? They do kind of look alike. They could be they could be one cousins. of them 73 feet tall, Nick. Yes, but they still look alike. Height doesn't really come into it. They could be like one very seven tall, foot one very tall, tall quarterback and one like regular sized cousin. Seven foot tall NFL quarterback. That would be something. Large right. boy. A large lad. All right, uh, Joseph, anything to promote before we let you get out of here? Uh, just one thing. Go birds. Go birds. Absolutely. All right, uh, Joey, thank you for coming on. Say goodbye. Uh, see ya. <laughs> Say goodbye, Nick. Bye, Nick. And it's goodbye from me.